what is happening, my people. So this episode is bomb with my boy, Father Chase, one of the greatest priests alive today, in my humble opinion. Dude is amazing. He's our chaplain for Seeking Excellence, former professional soccer player in Chile. He uh, went to Clemson, crushed soccer at Clemson, and then wanted to crush it for Christ. And so now he's doing just that. He's a vocations director up in the Diocese of Peoria in Illinois. And uh, we just had a great conversation here. We, we want to make this a series on um, sexuality. And so we are going to go into the different topics of sexuality one by one. We thought we we're going to get into some of those today in this topic, but we just didn't because it was just too important to really lay a good solid uh, groundwork on just generally, why should we follow Christ? Why should we listen to the church? Why does the church have authority? What does that mean for our lives? What are the implications both in the current life and in the afterlife of following God and following him truly and with, you know, in an orthodox faithful manner. And so we want to talk about that, but this episode was really good. I was taking notes on what Father Chase shared on this one. So I hope you do as well and enjoy it. God bless. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. and never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Father Chase Heldrick, my man, one of my favorite priests in the whole world. How are you, my man? Dude, every time I get like this awesome intro of like you building me up and then I get all embarrassed and insecure and, 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 uh, and then I'm like, I got to embrace that, that another man actually appreciates me and I don't need to be insecure about that. So I appreciate that's right. you, man, always. That's right. You. That's what I'm talking about. I, I really, I really do think that's true. And I think that's so true. I try to think about that in regards to a lot of priests, you know, uh, when I think about that, when I talk to you or Father Meyer and just some of the ones I'm closest with, you know, just how important it is. Cause Priests need, just like I, I tell my friends, you know, sometimes not, we don't end every phone call like I do with Emily, like with an I love you, but sometimes like to say that is important, you know, and to, to share that I appreciate you. I think highly of you, you know, I think it really matters for men to hear that from other men, ideally ones that we respect, you know, and look up to as well, or have that mutual respect for. Uh, so yeah, it's important. I think we, we shy away because of the insecurities to do it towards. Well, I, I think, I think friends. it's, I think it's a great lead in to what we're going to talk about today, because what we're really lacking and what we're insecure about is true intimacy. 
you know, and, and then, so when we, when we actually experience true intimacy, we somehow try to deflect that and say that there's something uncomfortable about it when, when it's actually real and it's actually what, what our hearts were were made for. Uh, Intimacy is not equivalent to romantic intimacy and and especially sexual intimacy. Although as John Paul II will say, and I imagine we're going to talk about him today, but um, he'll say that, that sexual intimacy is the highest expression of human love which I absolutely agree with. And I love that. So it is, it is a a high um, uh, expression of, of human intimacy, but at the same time, intimacy is not equivalent to, to, to to romantic intimacy. So yeah, we gotta, we gotta be better and and more confident in in ourselves and who we are to be able to share intimacy with others. And it's just the sharing of our hearts. Right. Yeah. It's huge. So that is a great segue into what we're talking about today in regards to all things kind of sexuality and you know sexual sins and the goodness of sex and uh procreation and all that stuff there's so much we could talk about obviously you know we could do 15 podcasts probably on on each one but we kind of want to just kind of do an overview today because i think one of the mistakes that we often make in the church especially uh past like confirmation age or you know at least past like catholic high schools is we just kind of assume people know this Right. We yeah. just kind of have this assumption of like, well, everybody kind of knows about <laughs> that sex before marriage is wrong or that cohabitation is wrong or that pornography is wrong or that, you know, uh, same sex sins, you know, sexuality and, and sexual acts are wrong or whatever. We just kind of make this assumption that people know that. But we also the more dangerous assumption, I think, is that people know why. Yeah. Right. Why are these things sins? So that's what we really want to get into today. And, 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 and to know that something without knowing the why really is, is just a means to an end because some, at some point my weakness is, is going to overcome me and I don't have a good reason why it shouldn't, right? If I don't know the why, then I don't have a good reason why, why I shouldn't do this. If I don't know why yep. I should, I don't, I, sh- I don't know why I shouldn't. And so um, if that, that's why, you know, we talk about evangelization, it, it is answers the question of why. And so that's what we have to be here to do is, is answer those questions so that, the question is how do I best glorify God and not how do I how do I not fall into sin? Right. That yeah, that, that's the question. Exactly. And and why do we do that? Why do we seek to uh I guess stay away from sin and, and strive to live according to church teaching? Yeah, and 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 it, it's it begins with the philosophy of our entire life because we know how we were created, why we were created, and, and that's the ultimate why of, of our entire life that guides every other decision. Right. If, if that is true, if it's true that we were created by a God who, who had a, an, a plan for our life, a God who, who, who recognized that he dreamed us into existence, that the moment that he thought of us, we were created in eternity, in the eternal mind of God. I mean, just, just use that for your prayer today if you do nothing else. Like right, we, yeah. you, you existed in eternity in God's mind before he created you, and then you came into being. And, and as we came into being, he came in with a plan. That's why Benedict XVI says, we have a God who speaks. And why would he speak unless he has, has something to, to reveal to us about who we are, the, the, the core of, of ourselves? And so the, the revelation of who we are and living out who we are is the why of uh, that we do anything. So we don't have random rules that aren't attached to, to any other meaning, right? It's not what mm-hmm. the commandments are. It's not just, uh, it's not just moral goodness. It's, it's about the fullness of humanity. It's about living out the fullness of our humanity. Right. And if we believe and confess, you know, that Jesus Christ is our Lord, we believe as we, you know, confess every, every Sunday, uh, you know, we profess our faith that we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church and we receive communion as, you know, a, both a obviously real um, deep experience and encounter and uh, intimate moment with Jesus and his body, blood, soul, and divinity, but also 
kind of, you know, the idea of communion is also like the symbolism of we are in communion with the church, right? Like we're in communion with each other. We're in communion with the church, just the entire attendance of the mass, you know, and confessing these things and just that we embrace church teaching, you know, like that, that's such a critical thing, but it kind of does go back to that classic, like philosophical Socrates, Aristotle, like all the philosophers of all time, kind of thinking of what's the best way to live, you know? And when, when you confess to be a Christian, you think that Christianity is the best way to live and that ought to influence every aspect of your life, which is what we try to do here at Seeking Excellence is talk about how does our faith, you know, interact in all these different areas or influence and inform and shape all these different areas of our lives. So relationships, the way that we interact with other humans is a huge part of our life, right? We just talked about that at the beginning, you know, human intimacy and in all of its forms uh, is so important. And so I think that's kind of the why behind all of it and why I always encourage people. And we want to encourage people to seek answers to the questions that you have, whatever it is in the church and in church teaching that you don't understand. It's not just let those things fester and let the devil get into your heart and the world infiltrate your heart and your mind and start to give you all these reasons why the church is wrong, but seek out the reasons why the church might be right, you know, and Nathan, not just, yo, this is, this is so important. I have to interrupt you because it's just, just so it. important what you just said. Like, wh- why are we afraid? Sometimes we as Catholics, especially we're afraid to ask big questions. Why? Because we fear that there's not going to be the answer, right? We, we yeah. fear that there's no explanation for this. We fear that there's no explanation to the problem of evil, which is like one of the, the greatest problems yeah. that, that people, have asked from the beginning of time but the reality is that there there's always an answer even even if we're being asked to believe it by faith right like there are things that we have to acknowledge humbly that are beyond the human mind to understand which in some part we can explain the logic of the problem of evil we never get down to 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 the actual to actual roots but the best we can say is is that god created a world in which we had to be free in order to love and in order to be free to love he had to give us the freedom to choose not to love which is what evil is right? right So we can say things like that, but, but ultimately um, there are answers to all the questions. And, and I'll tell you the reason that I'm a priest today is because I, I asked really scary questions. Like, like what I just said before in this podcast is like, what, why was I created? Like, Lord, why am I here on earth? Like, why am I here? Right. And, and to someone who has depression in college, and I've, I've heard them ask that question in a very unhealthy way. I'm telling you, there's a very healthy way to ask that question. Right. Yeah. And to say, like, Lord, because I want to know, I want to know who I am. I want to know why am I here on earth? Like, what am I doing here? And and, and why do I experience the things that I do, the, 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 the triumphs and, and the failures? Like, why do I experience these things and what am I doing? Right. That led me to understand that I, I, I wasn't made for to, to be an athlete, which is what I actually logically believed in my mind. You might think that sounds silly, but I actually believe that that was my greatest gift. So that must be why I'm here. And when mm-hmm. that was, that was confirmed that that absolutely is not why God created me. It, it allowed me to understand there, there's something more and he's created me for such a, a deeper purpose. And, and, um, and ultimately that was to be holy, right? That wasn't to be yeah. a priest. It's to be holy, but the way that he asked me to live that out and bringing others to him is, is, is through the, the vocation of the priesthood. And I love that you mentioned that it takes courage because that's what I think is the biggest thing that we often forget about in the church is, I mean, you just see it all the time, right? And I know you see it as a vocation director. I see it in the people that I work with in college students and just the people that reach out on social media and stuff. But like, we are just so dominated by fear. Yes. So dominated by fear. And I think that, you know, fearing the answers to those questions is not just fearing, you know, that the church is going to have an answer, but also like what the answer means for my life. And that was my journey, especially when it comes to sexuality, was I was like, you know, I lost my virginity at a really young age. I talk about this very often. So most people know this, but if it's your first time listening, I, I talk about, you know, my freshman year of high school, I basically did everything, drank, smoked, and, and lost my virginity 
at a young age and I, you know, was deep into that life and rap culture and all this stuff. Right. And I thought right. that as a young black, especially young black male athlete, I'm like, this is what you do, right? Like, this is kind of like your, your worth is in how many girls you can hook up with and how many girls you can talk to at one time or whatever it was. And I was always afraid to ask the question to be like, okay, maybe my, my 10th grade, 11th grade morality teacher was probably wrong about the chastity stuff, right? Like she probably didn't know what she was talking about. And as I got closer to the Lord, I'm like, I don't really want to talk about this <laughs> because yeah. I know that if I really get into it, I'm pretty sure the church is right, you know, and because this is a pretty big teaching and I don't want to give this stuff up. And so there's really this right. kind of aspect that you can really convince yourself. And I think people do this a lot with things like cohabitation or birth control or, you know, some of these other topics and, you know, same sex attraction, homosexuality, all this stuff where you can get kind of this like pride in yourself and really we're so good at talking ourselves into stuff, you know, like we right. often say that we're great uh, prosecutors for other people and great defense attorneys for ourselves, yeah. because we can just create any type of lie and reality, right, in our own mind that we can like stay in our position, right, that right. we should we should stand in where we believe currently the church is wrong, my priest is wrong, you know, tradition is wrong, scripture is wrong, whatever, everybody needs to get up to date with the times and change and you don't understand my body and my needs and all this stuff, right, and our situation's different and all this stuff. And it's like, you're afraid to search out the truth because the truth will set you free and you don't believe that, right? Like you no. think that Jesus was wrong or lying when he said that the truth will set you free. Here's, here's an example. This happened yesterday, Nathan. Nathan, yesterday I was talking with somebody and they tried to tell me that, and, and they came to talk to me. I didn't seek them out, right? <laughs> right. This person yep. came to talk to me and, and it was trying to tell me that um, masturbation and pornography was natural, um, that that the world we live in, that's just the way things are, first of all, um, and, and that it was also natural and that science has proved that it's actually healthy, right? It's healthy right. to whatever. And I don't know that science. I've never investigated that. I don't know what we're, we're actually talking about there, right? Um, that, that anyway, we won't go into the details of, of that. But, um, but then, um, you know, we started talking about um, how I, I just went and started talking about the beauty of, of real sex. You know, I was like, actually, um, sex is actually natural. And if that's natural, then how can, you know, we went in this entire conversation about how that's not natural. And, and I finally, at the end of the conversation, we talked for a while, half an hour. And at the end of the conversation, I said, you hate masturbation and pornography, don't you? And the person said, yes. Wow. <laughs> right. It was, it was this whole front to try to, to try to say, well, what I'm doing is okay, right? Like, yep. will you, as a priest, will you confirm me that like I'm not broken? Like, this is okay, and, and it's gonna be okay, and 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 I don't have to change because it's gonna be hard. And and we just went through all these things, just talking naturally, normally about how the the good of sex and how 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 different things can can disturb it and and disorder it, and and how we feel uh, addiction, how we feel helpless, how we feel bound, and 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 all of a sudden, you know, at the end, I was able to ask that simple question of like, why did you even bring this to me? Like, why are we even talking about this? Because I didn't bring it up. And I was like, you, you understand how, how much this is, this is hurting. Right. And, and, and the answer was yes. Like, I know I, I, you know, I have to talk about it because I, I, you know, ultimately they're seeking a way out, but they don't want to confront that, you know? So it was, it was a beautiful yeah. grace filled moment. That's such a big story. Dude, it's, it reminds me of like, you know, when, when I was in, when you're like in ranger school or something like that, and you dig yourself into a position, right? Like you have to like dig out fighting positions and it takes a while yeah. and you're exhausted and you're hungry and you just want to rest. Right. And then they tell you, oh wait, no, now we have to move. Right. Like as soon as you get done <laughs> and you're just like, no, I, like I just did all this. You know what yeah. I mean? You fill up the sandbags, you fill up the stuff. Like it can take days, right. To get a really mm -hmm. fortified defensive position. And that's how we can, you know, get ourselves into where it's like, we built oh. this whole home in this sinful place on sand.
you know, you're telling us, dude, you need to move because that's going to crash. You know, like this is not going to sustain you long term. And they're like, but I spend so much time, you know, like I'm so committed. I'm so attached to this. And it's so interesting, you know, thinking about that, that example of a lot of times when you tell somebody they're wrong in that, there's like an anger that comes up, right? Like they get really angry or there's because there's a shame attached to it that you're trying to defend, you know, and justify yourself when it's like, dude, like just sometimes you just got to let it go. And I mean, I've had so many moments, you know, some of my deepest moments I know of temptation where it's literally like I'm having these like external thoughts in my head that I'm like, I feel like that's not even like the most, some of the most real conversations I've had really real conversations. I feel like with the Lord, where I felt like him clearly speaking to me and I've had, you know, the devil or, you know, or, you know, his people (laughs) having just as real conversations in my head, rationalizing sin, trying to justify it. And I'm just like, where are these thoughts even coming from? You know what I mean? These things that I'm not even thinking just get placed in your head and you have to be ready to combat that and recognize how much that's happening to you. And it's not just, you know, your own mind or actual reason or actual, um, you know, faith and reason. Here's, here's, here's the crux of it, right? Is, is that when someone, we, we've gotten to the point that when someone critiques my behavior, it's as if they're speaking about me, right? My yes. person, right? Like you, you're making a judgment upon me. So yes. people say, don't judge me. Why are you judging you? you can't judge me. Right. Um, and so that's, that's become a thing. And I'm like, you know, we, we have to realize that action and, and, and the person are different. So here's one of the clearest teachings on, on sexuality that, that I've ever learned. And when, when I heard this, like light bulbs went off in my mind and it can guide every conversation that we have on sexuality. And I learned this from the courage apostolate, right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, father check, who is, who's, uh, used to be in charge of, of courage. And now, um, uh, and now he, he's moved on, but um, Kurz is a, is a great apostolate in our Catholic church um, to help those who are sh- struggling with same-sex attraction. And so he came to the seminary, I remember, and, and he, he talked about sexuality in this way. We always have to remember that there are three separate categories. There's the person, there's the inclination, and there's the mm. action, right? Person, inclination, and action. And this theology is like, is like what many other uh, uh, Ecclesial communities, as we would specifically call them, but, but Protestant communities oftentimes don't have the, the the theology or the vocabulary to actually speak this. And so right. I want to I want to I want to join with them and, and help them to speak because oftentimes it's either either or you're either in or you're out. If you if you're pr- promiscuous sexually, heterosexually, homosexually, it doesn't matter. You're going to hell. Or or if you, if you, if you're riding the bike well and you're doing you're doing good, you're you're on your track to heaven. That's you know, and then how do we understand what like Pope Francis says, like, who, who am I to judge? You know, that, that thing, like, what was he talking about? I think I can explain what he was talking about there, you know, through these three categories, person, inclination, and action. What are we saying? Yeah. The person, the human person, any human person is, has infinite dignity, infinite dignity, despite their actions, right? Despite anything they say. So we critique someone who had stolen or robbed or killed somebody or raped or, or, uh, had a simple sexual fall, right? Um, unchastity, right? We're not critiquing the person, we're, we're critiquing the action. And so the person has infinite dignity. That's why we can stand up for, for um, those who have done horrible things and show them mercy because they have an infinite dignity and we love them, right? Yeah. The second is inclination. When we talk about sexual inclination, right? Like um, I can, I as a priest even, and this is this might be a scary example for people, I, I as a priest, um, I can still have healthy um, sexual attraction, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm still a man. But I've made a choice, just as a married man makes a choice one day, not to act on that with with anybody outside their marriage. Well, I'm married to the church. Like I, I have made a decision, and I, I live in a marriage with 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 the person of Jesus Christ for loving His church. Right. That, so I I may have inclination, but that doesn't mean 
that, that, that I act upon them, right? So my inclination is not, is, is what we call amoral, which means that it can't be judged either. So when we talk even about homosexuality, right? Someone has a homosexual inclination. I'm not even judging that inclination because inclinations are, are, are things like feelings that, that we're not necessarily in charge of. We're, we, 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 we not necessarily, um, we're not asking for that. I'm not fostering an inclination, right? And so mm -hmm. um, we're not even judging that. The only thing that we can judge in the human person is, is, is their actions, right? Yep. And, and that's what will be judged by, by Jesus Christ. So the question is, right, um, I, I, I am a, I'm a person with infinite dignity. I have inclinations, which could be ordered or disordered. It doesn't matter. We all, by the way, every single person has ordered and disordered inclinations at some mm -hmm. place in their life. But the question is, what do we do with all that, right? In the, yep. in the, face, in the face of, of, of um, somebody else's hostility or, or disrespect, like how, how, does my, how do I react to that? Do I react with patience? Right? Is my action one of one of patience and charity, or do I react with with vengeance and hostility and whatever? Right. So that that's just a, a mundane example. But what about what about sexuality? When I have an inclination, what mm -hmm. do I do with that? That's the only question. And that's the only thing that we're judging is what do we do with it? And the answer, what the church is asking us to do with that is to live in chastity. Every single person, no matter Everybody. no matter what your inclination is, no matter what your state in life is. Right, whether you're single, married, priest, religious sister, whatever, where you have heterosexual inclination, homosexual inclination, like there's no double standard across the board. Every single person is called to chastity according to their state and life. Right, so this guides all of our our discussion on sexuality. Boom, that was so good. I love that. I love the three breakdown of those three. And I think there's a whole nother podcast to talk about the humility that it takes. Because I mean, how how hard is it? That's why people hate confession, right? Because they or not some people hate confession or, or avoid it because they think right. that because I'm like, all right, Father Chase, I'm going to tell you my sins and you're going to, you're going to obviously re respond lovingly and stuff like that. But the more intimate your relationship, I've noticed this in spiritual direction, right? Like right. if you and I, you're like you're probably not going to treat me in confession the same way you would, you know, a 14 year old girl who randomly goes to confession at a, a parish you're at, right? Like, right. you know me, you know that you want to challenge me. Like, you know more about my life and it, it's just, it's easy for people whenever there's any type of challenge to holiness to feel, uh, yeah, like you're judging me as a person when really you're just trying to tell me that those actions are not good. And I mean, it goes all the way back, I think, to really poor parenting. And we just have generations of people who have been really, really, <clears throat> excuse me, really, really poorly parented. And they're not used to people telling them no, or they're not used to people saying what you did here was not good. You know, and we don't do that for ourselves. We don't police ourselves. We don't police each other. And then we just kind of have this tolerant society where like nobody feels like you can ever judge somebody else's actions and say that it was wrong. And it's really tragic because this is what we fall into where then it's like everything and anything can be considered good, right? Like, and, and yeah, it just falls apart and everything just kind of falls apart when you have that. And it's really sad to see what happens, but you see it even in the church, you know, I'm reading uh, a church in crisis right now by Ralph Martin. And he talks yes. about, yeah, just like, he's like the bracketing we've done in, in uh, parishes and things like that. Oh yeah, you have it back there. Oh, I see it now. It's so awesome. I just started, I'm on like page 65 and he's talking nice. about, you know, the bracketing of how we've taken so many of uh, words and stuff like that out of scripture readings in mass. You know, he's mm -hmm. like, we, we try to, you know, avoid talking about the, and we see Protestant churches do it all the time. The mega churches, we try to avoid talking about the gnashing of teeth or the existence of hell, or, you know, some of these more challenging things that we find in scripture that, 
are really sometimes the crux of the message, right? Like the, the main part, <laughs> the meat of the message, we, we make them optional to a certain extent. The church doesn't go so far to like pull them out, but we make it, you know, we bracket it. So it's like, you can or cannot read this. Um, you may or may not read this. And it's, it's wild to me that we're just so afraid of anybody feeling like judged actions wise when it's like, you're going to be judged ultimately. So it's really, I mean, this is a great kind of segue into like the love and truth battle, right? It's not loving to tell somebody that what they're doing is right when it's wrong, especially when you are convinced to know of eternal realities and that eventually you're going to be judged on your actions on whether they're right or wrong. So it's incredibly unloving to tell somebody that's sinning what you're doing is good and it's right. And it's so important for us to recognize, I can never remember all of them, but there's like the nine different types of sin that, you know, praising sin, uh, encouraging sin, cooperating with it, like all these different ways that we can also partake in the sins of other people when we not just, um, when we fail to do what are the spiritual works of mercy, you know what I mean? To admonish the sinner and to instruct the ignorant to do these things that we're called to do as Christians. And I think it, it also can come down to this like really, really, popularized idea of the privatization of our faith right where like my faith is just me now i don't let it influence anything that i do i don't have to i, I don't want to force it on anybody else right so then that means i don't evangelize or share it at all and we've just right. gone so far in the other extreme of we're like afraid that we're going to like start like persecuting non-christians <laughs> and so we don't <laughs> even think that we can make the sign of the cross in public because we don't want to bring our faith right. into the public square you know god forbid right. we did that it's really wild you know but, it you know it can we just stop and acknowledge real quick, like the difficulty in that though? I want, I want the, whoever's listening to understand like what we're saying right now is not easy, right? For, for me, for me, like it, it's not easy. Even as a priest, I will tell you, like, I mean, just look I would around. Say especially as a priest. Right. Because, because people, you know, people see what comes out of a priest's mouth and they think that that's what comes out of God's mouth. Right. And that's, that's like a, an incredible privilege um, at times, right. Those who, those who respect the church and those who respect the priesthood and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, right. There's, there's this thing that like, when you hear it from a priest, well, everybody says, well, a priest told me I could do this, whether right or wrong. I go, <laughs> a priest told me that I could, uh, you know, that I could, that I could drink, you know, a priest told me that I, or, or a priest told me that I couldn't do this. And so it's wrong, whatever. But, um, let's acknowledge like it's super hard um, to, to speak that truth and it, and it takes a lot of, of virtue. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of like identity of knowing that the, the only thing that I am before God is his son and I don't have to please other people. But at the same time, how does the church ask me to do that? What's also hard to do is to do it with truth and charity at all times. We've not been good about yeah. that. So I don't wanna sit here on this podcast and act like I have everything together and it's just easy for me to admonish others oh, or yeah. that it's easy for me to live it. It's not, like I understand the struggle every day of, of trying to, to, to live the faith, which you know the, the, our catechism calls it the battle, right? The battle of prayer because it is a battle. We acknowledge that it's a battle, you know? Um, so if you're struggling, if, if you're struggling with, uh, especially with, with sexual temptation, with success, sexual sin, with, with unchastity, like, like stay in the struggle. My advice often in the confessional is keep struggling. You know, my advice to you, keep struggling. And I'm like, Father, what are you talking about? That's not, that's not helpful. Like, no, no, no. I want you to keep struggling because the moment you stop struggling is the moment you gave up. If you're in the battle, you're winning the battle right? If you're willing to battle, if you're willing to struggle against this, you're winning. That's what yep. virtue is. Virtue is doing what's difficult, right? And persevering towards the good. And if you're in the struggle, it means that you are, you are being virtuous. You are struggling against it, right? Against evil in your life. But you know what it takes for, 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 for evil to conquer our world? 
just that we do nothing. Just, just give up. Just do, just do nothing. Roll right? over. If you're, so if you're not struggling, you're probably you're probably losing, right? But if you are struggling, you're 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 probably winning. You're you know, right. or at least you're on on the way to on the way to victory. So, um, I just have to say, you know, stay in the game. Don't be afraid to be a work in progress. Don't give and, up. And and keep keep struggling. You know. Man, yeah, no, absolutely, a hundred percent. And I think that one of the the biggest lies of the devil and of the world is that you know, you, you hear, there's so many things to go into. So just this idea that we're all, we're all hypocrites because we try to preach this message, right? We, we preach this unattainable holiness, recognizing that it's unattainable, but preaching it nonetheless, you know, and, and striving, knowing that one day we will achieve it in heaven. But until then, it's just going to be an uphill, uphill battle and a climb and a journey with a lot of falling and a lot of setbacks, right? Three steps forward, two steps back. But I think the, the important thing for people to hear too is I, I remember, I don't know where I heard it, and I don't, I've never, I don't know the sources on this, but I heard that JP2 and Mother Teresa, I think one of them went to confession like daily and one was like every other day. And it just gives you this idea that actually as you go closer to God, you know, as you get holier and more filled with virtue, you're, you're even more aware of times that you sin, right? Because I remember when I was like completely lost and just sinning all the time, like you go to confession and, and there's so many big things that they just kind of like stand out. You really don't even get into like you're you've sinned a thousand times you know in the last six months or whatever it is or two months or 30 days but you only remember the five huge ones but when you actually you know when you kind of can go to confession you know after three weeks or whatever and you haven't had one of those huge ones or maybe you have one of them or something like that you're kind of more aware of the other 90 you know 995 right like you kind of get you start to see some of these ways that man I really t- didn't talk to this person right. Or man, I really actually lusted after this person with my eyes and in my mind and these thoughts that I was having. And I was really gossiping around this person. And you just start to, I mean, you almost are overwhelmed by even more, right? You start to see yeah. it. So it never ends. And it's kind of this never ending battle with that. But I think that it's, it's tough because we've kind of swung in this world of relativism going from, you know, preaching this and being afraid of being hypocrites that we don't preach anything at all. You know, we've watered down the gospel so much that we really for lack of a better term, and I don't know, maybe you have a better term for it, but like, we don't want to preach this kind of like standard, this way of the Christian, right? Like Romans 12, like St. Paul lists out like the life of the Christian or the, like the model Christian or whatever it might be. You know, I forget the exact words that he uses, but he talks about all these things that we're called to do as Christians. And it's hard. It's extremely difficult. And it takes a ton of grit. It takes a ton of perseverance. I always say the only thing I think I've ever done right in my journey with God in the last 10 years since I really committed is going back to confession regularly. You know, like on a consistent basis, every time I fall, no matter how awful it is, no matter if it's the same priest and I'm embarrassed, right? Because I don't want to tell Father Brian again because I love him and I don't want him to think poorly of me. I get up and I go, you know, you go back, you go back and it takes a lot of perseverance, a lot of grit, a lot of determination to stay on the path and recognize that I can do anything but by the grace of God. The one thing I really, really have to commit to, I always say like, these are the baselines, mass every Sunday and going back to confession every time you fall. Yeah. If you can do you know, those two you, things, you can really build upon it. But you know, we, but you we look gotta... at the example. You look at the example. You threw out the example of of JP two and Mother Teresa, and I think that 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 gives us um, kind of a, a good principle to follow, which is which is that especially in in sexual in sexual temptation, sexual sin, is we always have to look. I think a good question for us to think about is what is what is the 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 amount of grace that I need for my state in life. Right. So I always have to be asking that question. I have to be reevaluating. Right. I'm not a, I'm not a teenager anymore. Right. I have real responsibilities. Right. What I, I need an extra grace. JP2 was telling us as a church, he was telling us that because of the office that he held, 
responsibility to be the chief shepherd of the universal church, which is why people think that being Pope is cool. And everybody else is like, who actually knows the responsibility is like, I would never want to be Pope, right? Because, yeah. because do you know the responsibility and the weight of the world that literally is on your shoulders? He went to confession every day to receive the maximum amount of grace that he needed to be able to fulfill his state in life. Right. I do not believe for a second, and I've never heard his confession, but I do not believe for a second that JP2 had mortal sin every day, and that's the reason he was going to confession. I believe he was going to confession, right. what we call a devotional confession, which means that I want to go every day to maximize the amount of grace that I, it's possible for me to receive to be able to, to, to do what I'm being asked to do. And so I, I do not suggest for, for most of us to go to confession every day just to remain holy because it leads to scrupulosity and, and, and could lead to a lack of trust in the Lord. That's just a side note. But I will say that what is necessary for my state of life right now? That's a question that every single person has to ask where they're at. Now, you're a man who's engaged and about to move into marriage. I would ask you, like, you're about to move into this, this new state of life. How much grace do you need to be able to live holy matrimony? Like, what do you need for that? I know that it changed for me when I became a priest, right? Like, I had to evaluate, like, no, I'm, I'm being asked to do something that's much more than I was before, especially to lead a, a, a parish or this Newman Center or, or now these discerners in holiness. I, I, have to, I have to be living it. I have to actually be living a, a, a certain level of, of holiness and grace. And I need God's help as much as possible to be able to live uh, the best that I can. So we need to evaluate that, that principle. Um, what, what is the proper uh, amount? And we can't measure grace necessarily, but am I receiving enough grace, sufficient grace to be able to, to, to complete uh, the task that's being asked of me in this in this state of life. And if we're struggling with sexual sin, um, I think a lot of times we, we need to receive more grace. Right. And it's one of the biggest blockers of grace, you know, is mm. understanding how much we cut ourselves off, you know, through mortal sin, apart from, you know, the grace of God, how much we separate ourselves from him. This is a question I, I want to ask you that just kind of randomly popped into my head. But it's something that, you know, I think in like our relativistic kind of watered down gospel world that we live in, you know, speaking broadly and generally of Christianity today, I think that that's true. Uh, and a lot of times it's infiltrated in, and it's true in the church, in different pockets of the church. But, you know, there's this combination of, you know, and, and we're, I don't think we're ever, we're not going to get into the details of each category today. So this obviously got to be like a five part series, which <laughs> will be amazing. But I want to ask you today about, you know, there's this concept, obviously God is with you all the time. You know, you're a baptized person, like you're in, the, you're in the family of God. God is always with you. What is the combination of God is always with you combined with, you know, mortal sin does in some way separate us and cut us off from God. And that we, you know, I've, I've always kind of made sense of it in my own mind of God is always like generally present, right? Like God is in everything. He's, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Yeah. Right. And, but we can separate ourselves. We do separate ourselves from him yeah. with sin and choose to reject him. Or, I think or one of the uh, that's that's a great question, and it's something we have to be assured of because, um, you know, I, I've again as a priest, I've told some people like, you know, God has not separated Himself from you, although you separated yourself from Him. In the sense that God is omnipresent, He's always with you, He's always around you. The only thing that God is waiting for is 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 for you to just say one word of of, of forgiveness so that you can return, or, or of asking for forgiveness, right? Of right. An, of being humble for one second, and so he, he He's not far, and He's always He's always with us, right? He sustains us in our being. So we we are God's sons and daughters. I think the best way to think about it is to think about. Let's let's say those of us who 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 have uh, um, a stable, functional, good father and mother, right? 
uh, the, the analogy might lack if, if that's not present in our life. But let's just say I have, I have a, a good father in my life, right? Um, is there any chance, is there any way in my life that he doesn't become my father anymore, right? Th th there's no way that he can separate his fatherhood. Like I will always be his biological son. Like I, I am, we, we came from parents, like I'm his son, but there is a way that I can cut off relationship with him. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and there's a way that, that I can say, dad, I don't, I don't want a relationship with you. I, in fact, I, I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to visit you. Um, I'm out of here. Like we fought and I'm done. We won't speak for three years, whatever. Like we can cut ourselves off from relationship. But just like the prodigal father in that story, right? The prodigal father who was waiting for his, his prodigal son to return. He's, he's, he was maybe in that, you know, humanity lacks, you know, in this analogy. But God is always present to us, always waiting for us in, in that return. We don't stop being his sons and daughters when we sin, mortal sin, right? But we do um, whenever, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, whenever we sin against charity, right? That is to cut off relationship with God. So mortal sin is an actual cutting off of the, of the relationship of charity with God. So we can, we can ruin that relationship, but that's why he created this way for us. He's so merciful because he wants us to know his fatherhood. He's created a, a, for us a way to come back every single day, right? Literally to, to come back to confession any, any day we can so that we can restore that relationship, ask for forgiveness and re-enter into that, that covenant love of grace. That's so big. And I think it's easy. I think it's easy to underestimate how great it is to live in a state of grace if you never really have. Right. You know, and like, I think that's one of the things that people kind of really underestimate is that we, we talk a lot, obviously, in regards to sin, like we're talking about eternity, right? Like the eternity of your soul, which is hugely important. But at the same time, like recognizing how much better life is <laughs> on earth when you're living in a state of grace, and you're actually pursuing holiness. It's unbelievable, right? Like I remember first experiencing that when I was in college. And I was actually striving to live chastity and I was praying every day and I was going to mass, you know, a few times a week and going to confession often. And I was just like, dude, this is super dope. Like nobody told me about this. Like back in my 11th grade morality class and they're telling us sex was a sin. Like she, it was, it was, it's one of those things, you know, we talk about like rules without relationship breeds rebellion. Right. And if you don't recognize the fruits and, and how overwhelmingly, unfair the deal is of when we give up sin up sin we get back right like it's like it's unbelievably lopsided right like it's not like we we view it as like we're making this huge sacrifice by trying to live chastity or like emily and i you know just the trust that we have to have and we're moving to denver we're gonna live there for eight months and it's like you know you have people ask like are you gonna live together are you getting two places one place and it's like financially dude i'm like big into like managing our finances and, and we're <laughs> set up right i'm excited and it would be dope to have an extra 800 a month or whatever, you know, the rent's going to be um, for her living separately to have and to be able to start with that now, right? Like we're going to get married. Like there's all the, you know, all the classic reasons that you have, but it's like understanding like, no, like the Lord is so good. Like he's going to bless us. And we know that, right? We know that we're going to be blessed in marriage. We know we're going to be blessed down the line. We know we're going to be blessed for eternity for striving to live holiness and trying to honor him at everything that we do. But people just really don't get that. Like people just, it's, it's hard to understand. And I think, to be fair, part of the reason why they don't understand this, you know, and I used to challenge a lot of seminarians at the Mount in this is we have to be joyful people as Catholics, as Christians, you know, like we have to share that joy and share that excitement. So I remember telling Father Michael Rivek, like, bro, you got to smile sometimes when you're, 
<laughs> you're preaching. This is back when he was deacon. I'm like, I'm like, you gotta smile every now and then. You know, I'm not saying you gotta yeah. go up there beaming, but like occasionally look a little happy for me. You know what I mean? Right. Like you can't be miserable in this life. It's a great reminder, man. And that's why seeking exiles, other stuff is so important because if you're striving to live your spiritual life, but you're letting your finances or your relationships or your fitness or all this other stuff get out of control, you are gonna be stressed, depressed, anxious, and all this, and you're not gonna have the joy that God wants for you. So the stewardship, the ownership, the committing to you know living your life with chastity and, and in regards to all other sins of trying to avoid those things while also striving for holiness, taking good ownership of everything that God's entrusted to you and taking care of that. I mean, it's, we were talking about this before we started, but like, it's joy. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's so good. Well, you're, you're revealing right there. And this is a great witness on this podcast, but, but it's also you're revealing to, to your friends who ask you, you're revealing to everyone around you, what your, your what your motive is. Yeah. Right? Your motive, your motive is eternal life, man. Your, your motive is, is right relationship with God at every moment, even on earth, like living heaven on earth, right? Not literally, but, but living in that state of grace is, is living with those who are in heaven, all of those who are alive in Jesus Christ. That's what the state of grace is. It's actually being in communion with heaven, being communion with, with the body of Christ, wherever the body of Christ is. And he's, 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 he's the, the Lord of the living, right? And so those of us who form the body of Christ, are, are, are together, those on earth and in, and in heaven. And so that, that church in, in a purgatory as well, but, but that, that church, that one body of Christ that is together. And so um, really what you're saying is that you're, you want to live the fullness of life at every stage, even when it involves sacrifice. And here's what I would challenge yes. anybody, right? Here's what I would challenge anybody is to say, if they say, well, we love each other, that's why we're living together. Or we love each other. We're like, that's why we're doing this, right? Um, the question is, where is the sacrifice in your love? Because if there's no sacrifice in love, right, there's, there's going to be no true love there, right? There's always another motive. There's something else that's, that's, that's in the middle, right? The greatest form of love that the earth has ever seen is Jesus Christ on the cross. The greatest sacrifice, even when it mm -hmm. didn't feel good, it, it was, it was, it was the, the, the willed form of love that he chose, that he chose the other. Right now, you're not, you're not going to live with Emily because you're choosing her. You're choosing her. You're choosing to sacrifice for her. You're choosing to lay down your life for her. You're choosing to say, not even, finances aren't even as important as you. You know, I love you so much more than that. I love God so much more than my finances. I'm, I'm, I'm putting nothing before my relationship with God and heaven right now. And so it's, it's, it's a testimony that right now you're saying, I want to live as they live in heaven. And that's what I'm going to do, right? I'm called to celibacy right now until the day that I'm married. And I'm living yep. it. I'm living as they live in heaven. Yeah, no, it's so good, man. And I think it's the same thing, you know, when we come to the discussion of like, whether or not you tithe, right? And, and that's why I think this whole idea, and that's what we, that's what, that's why we created all of this stuff, man, the Seeking Excellence stuff is, is tithing is one of those things that I look at. And just maybe it's just the way that I make sense of things. I look at like the, the, the great, the, what's Catholic excellence look like? You know, I don't want to just be some Catholic scrub. Like I want to be, what does Catholic excellence look like? It goes back to the conversation I had way back when, of be the Derek Jeter of this battalion with one of my <laughs> a battalion commanders in ROTC, right? And he knew I was a big Jeter fan. I, I really pondered and thought about what does that mean? The best definition I try to give for that is when you're in an organization to be the type of person that your peers would vote as a team captain, right? Like Jeter was the captain and like, what is that? That means different things in different places. But you think about that in Catholicism, like I want to be, you know, somebody that other people can look to an example, right? And it, it's so awesome. But I think that, yeah, if you think about tithing, like what's more important to you? Yeah, I've always heard people say that uh, a lot of personal growth stuff, uh, people and, and leaders and speakers will say, 
you you tell me your priorities and then let's look at your your checkbook or your checking account you know your your spending and your calendar and i'll tell you what your priorities are you know what i mean right. where you're spending your time and that's so real in your life i think it's so sad to me how many people are dabbling in their faith not just because there, there's a two-part or sadness or frustration there one is is for them right is just saying that like you're almost teasing yourself because you're kind of going through the motions you're giving up an hour on sunday and you know you, you're you're doing some things differently or whatever but you're still so cut off because you're cutting yourself off, you know, like, and recognizing it in my own life of, man, like, I, I, I can feel it, right? I can feel what I'm like, low on grace, when I'm kind of separating myself from the Lord, when I'm not praying enough, and I'm not, you know, going to confession, or I'm, you know, caught back in sin, or whatever, I'm falling backwards. And it's like, I know that this is me, right? Like, is that God's not lacking, he hasn't changed, right? Like, it's me, like, it's, it's always David, my relationship with the Lord, so my relationship with you, my relationship with Emily, sometimes it's each of us, you know what I mean? Like, we might beef mm -hmm. over something, but with him, it's, it's, it's always me, right? It's one of the challenges. It's always my fault. Never and so I know guess, I need man. to change something. Yeah. But it's like, don't tease yourself with this joy, this awesomeness that is living out the Catholic life. Commit to it. Give it a chance. You know, I just always tell people, I'm like, give it 30, 60, 90 days. If you, if you think it's lacking and you don't want to do it, then stop. But don't dabble in it for a week or dabble in it for 10 years and then be like, that wasn't it. And that's what most people do. They never really give the Lord a chance to, you know, in the Lord, when you watch things like The Chosen is so good, the TV series The Chosen, because he's like, Jesus says, follow me. And some people, you know, you watch Nicodemus as one of the greatest characters because he kind of struggles and he goes back and forth. And obviously we know this through scripture, but he goes back and forth and he's like, you know, he doesn't get to experience all the joy and, and even the struggles of the apostles who did leave everything to go follow the Lord. And it's like, dude, just go follow him for a while. He'll change your life. But you can't do this like, Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna catch up to y'all. You know what I mean? And kind of be like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of follow Jesus. You know, like I'm one I'm one of them kind of, but only on the yeah. weekends or only on Sunday or what? It's like you dude, you're just teasing yourself. And if it motivates anybody that, that's listening, I can tell you for personal testimony, the hardest place to be is to have one foot in both worlds. Mm -hmm. It's it's the hardest place to be, and I, I experienced that myself. I was in agony trying Same. to trying to trying to be like a good Catholic on on Sundays and and trying to do whatever I want during the rest of the week. It, it, it stretched both relationships to a point of like breaking, and I had to, I had to choose, and it was beautiful, right? But um, because because of my choice in the end, but um, it's easy it's easy to be a pagan in this world. It's it's so easy. Again, you just do nothing right? You just, you just let the world take you, right? It's also, I can tell you this, it's also easier to be a Christian, an authentic, orthodox, practicing, virtuous, God-loving disciple of Jesus Christ. That's easier than, than, than trying to do both at the same time. Yep. It, it is, right? And so once I gave myself over to God, once I gave him my heart and I was like, Lord, I, I am going to follow you. You're going to tell me where to go and I'll, I'll, I'll do it. You know, once I did that, like, dude, this thing gets so much easier when your heart is, is where he is. Right. And so yep. um, I, I give that if anybody is wondering whether it's worth it or whether it's just going to be a grind or whether it's just, no, it, it's actually easier to be all into one thing than to have one foot in both worlds and, and try to try to please both parties. Yes, I love it. So I think this is a great setup for all the things that we still need to talk about. And praise the Lord, we got we got time, my dude, we That's got right. time, we're gonna grind on this thing together for a while. So I'm excited to get into some of this stuff and really kind of get behind that why and I think this is a great kind of purpose setting, you know, building the foundation of like, why does this stuff matter? Why should we strive for it? Why should we 
you know, even go for holiness and all that stuff. And so, especially in regards to chastening, some of these most difficult things, the things that we hold most dear to us, you know, that are so intertwined sometimes with our identity and our worth and, and things like that because of the way the world has manipulated our view on sexuality. Um, it's crazy. And so we're really excited to get into some of this stuff. Father Chase, as always, is a pleasure having you. Thanks for making the time today. I really appreciate it and look forward to diving into this more with you. Good to be with you, brother.